Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 154, Spirals of Love. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. I hope you're having a good week and that that new moon, that Virgo new moon, gave you something to reflect on, but perhaps allowed you to feel more compassionate towards yourself and knowing that you are perfect and you are loved. Now, this week's podcast has got three different aspects to it. They will tie together, but stay with me through all of them. I want to work with you and give you an exercise to do working with the Native American wheel, the sacred wheel, which really gives us a sense of where are we in the world? What are we doing? So even though I'm going to describe this method to you, I hope that you'll go away from the podcast and do it for yourself in your own time so that you can really experience yourself in these different phases that really don't just exist in the Native American culture, but exist in every culture. Phases of ourselves. How do we come back to ourselves? Who are we? And whether it's eight different energies or seven or 12, we're going to look at these numbers, but in truth, there is only one coming back to our center. But I want you to understand how numbers help us to experience ourselves fully. Now, don't run away just because I'm talking about numbers. If you're not very good with maths, just stay with me here. But my first energy I want to talk about is I was reading a a book. I'm always just looking at very old books that I have. And it reminded me that in the beginning, we all are light beings. We are energy. We are spirits. We are soul. And we chose to come here to this beautiful planet which is not just a solid place it's a a place of consciousness where creativity can happen the very purpose of our being here to be conscious creators and we said okay i'm going to come onto this planet and the way i'm going to work through my creation is by gathering together the elements the minerals of the planet and creating something out of that, that material world, as we call it, and create something, absorb what I create, and return to spirit again. So we were meant to come here as light beings, impress ourselves onto what we call the world of ether, where all the elements are, all the minerals are, and through that impression, create something that we call a physical expression or process or goal. And then, as I say, to absorb what we experience, the wisdom of that, whatever we manifested, and then go back through the ether again and go back into spirit. That's what we were meant to do. So here we are. We are these wonderful light beings. We go, okay, here I am going into the plasma. Here I am absorbing and magnetically attracting to me that which will allow me to express myself. And the first thing we do is we create a physical form. 
So here I am in my physical form, my body, and with all its chemical uh, processes, its abilities. But as this book beautifully described, it was actually quite hard for us to hold everything together. We're, oh my goodness, I've got to both focus on what I want to do here and I've got to look after all the processes of the body. Oh my goodness, that's a bit complicated and I'm going to have to use a lot of energy on that. So hey, what if I create something, or we could call it an ego or a subconscious that actually runs the body, runs the basic processes that will allow me to move forward? And, you know, in this day of computers and IT, we can see how we are doing that now. We're saying, okay, how do I make my process easier so that I can then concentrate on what I want to do? All right. <laughs> well, that seemed a good idea and it worked for a while because I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of what we call involuntary actions, automatic actions, autonomous actions that our body takes care of. We don't have to think about whether our heart is beating or whether the blood is flowing through our veins or whether or we're digesting our food. We've got this wonderful system that takes care of all of that. And in fact, apart from my voluntary movements that you can see in my face, my hands, a lot goes on in our body, which we would be amazed if we saw the many, many processes. And really the only one thing that we do have a little bit of control over is our breath. I can hold my breath, but I can just give it, do it for maybe four minutes before I have to breathe again. And that's on a good day. And I always felt that, you know, the creative energy that God said, okay, give them free will of their breath. And we, they will then feel they're in control, but really, They've only got four minutes of being in control. They're only four minutes of free will, and then they have to breathe again. So much of our body is under this, what we call an automatic nervous system. And even our mind, our brain, it has this reticular activated system again, allowing us that when we are focusing on one thing, other systems are shut down so that we're not being bombarded with so many sensations coming through. And there are so many parts of our brain that will close down or inhibit us, not in a negative way, but they help us, as I say, to focus or to not get so caught up in everything that's happening. But what really the process was meant to be about was that when I don't need to focus on that physical form and or on what's happening in the mind, I could really bring into my awareness the highest level of, of light, of consciousness. In other words, I could communicate always with my higher self, my higher mind, whatever you want to call it, with my soul, so that without my soul having to worry about, as I say, the more basic needs, I could really focus on living for my Godhead, living for my higher self, living for my beingness by listening to my intuition, by tapping into the parts of my imagination that were of the highest. And that's what we were meant to be doing so that we could focus clearly. And it's like, yes, this was going to work. But then it stopped working, didn't it? It stopped working because along the way, whatever we want to call that organizing energy, the, the ego, the little 
the little director or the manager of our being, subconscious, ego, whatever you want to call it, it started to say, why am I listening to that energy, for goodness sake? This is far more exciting or this is far more interesting. And sometimes it was, wow, I, I just want to focus on feeding my body, what the, the taste of food. Oh, I want to focus on sex. Or I want to focus on money. In other words, things that were very basic, but the focus shifted. And, and all of that's fine, but there came a point where, and again, I don't want to blame my ego, but that this manager of my being became the Godhead. And that listening to one's intuition or listening to one's higher self became you know, a distraction, something not important. And as I was reading this book, I was thinking, wow, I know many of you who are listening may say, well, I was listening to my intuition when I did that. And you're, you're scoffed at. What are you doing listening to your intuition? Who do you think you are? Or you might have an idea and you share it and someone says, well, that's stupid. But you know that it's coming from such a high self. It's coming from such a pure energy. And so it's so amazing that I've had to teach intuition courses over the years or that we have to go to special places to be given permission to reconnect to this, this light being that we are. And if you said, well, I think I'm an angel, I think I've got wings, or I believe in fairies, or I'm talking to the trees, that oh, strange person. And the, the sad part is that's when we know we're in tune with our lightness. Isn't that true? When we see something that's beautiful or we touch it or we smell it or we're with other people, not just by their presence, but as I've spoken about, the presence of two or more coming together to create that sensation of there's more than just you and me. There's more. It was the very purpose, I think, of religion, the real meaning of religion, which was to lead us back to ourselves not to tell us what to do, but to lead us back. Same meaning really of doctoring. To doctor someone is again a sense of leading people to their own inner healing. But we've, we've lost touch and I, I think it's ironic that perhaps we have to explain to someone that actually my intuition is a much purer sense of consciousness than something else, my intellect. And that I actually trust that far more and that when I'm in tune in that way then my manager I'll call it that and my body work in harmony in fact my body works better when this higher power is in control and my subconscious my ego doesn't get in the way it actually says oh thank goodness you've come back fine now where are we going and I can use my ego in a very positive way we, we're working cooperation my soul my ego are working together with my body we're all together yes and there's no dissent because it actually feels good for my body it feels good for my ego it feels good for my soul and it feels good for my higher self to be connected to something bigger and this is why I call this podcast The Spirals of Love. It's as if the more that we spiral out of just one density, one framework, one circle, we're just going round and round in circles. When we choose to go to that next level, we feel more connected, don't we? There's that sense of 
wow, I know that I can live in one, say, you know, on the first floor of an apartment, but now I'm living on the second floor. It doesn't mean I don't connect the first floor, but it allows me to have a bigger vision, third floor, fourth floor. And in some ways you could say the first floor, fourth floor doesn't exist without the first floor and vice versa. They're all connected. It's not one better than another. And I want to talk about numbers. That's why I want to talk about numbers and spirals and how we work. And again, when I was reading, this word fear kept coming up. And the ego or the manager ending up living in fear. And it's a, it's a very interesting word. You've, you've probably heard other uh, ways of describing it, synonyms for this is false expectations of an altered reality or false evidence of an, of an altered reality. So believing something's actually different than it is. And I would say at this moment, many people are living in fear, not, not from anything else, but a false expectation or false evidence. And I, we could go into that in a very big way. But the falseness is not that you're wrong, it's we're disconnected. And that's what I feel about fear. Fear says I've become separated, I've become isolated. And fear can often cause more isolation because we, we isolate ourselves from fear, <gasps> don't trust anybody. In, but maybe in that isolation, and we've had a lot of that recently, we actually start to say, well, maybe there is something inside me that I'm always connected to. So maybe when we do disconnect from something external to us, we connect more deeply to ourselves. And the fear dissipates, isn't that true? And it's not a false illusion of something you're believing in, it's actually you're coming home to yourself. What can you trust? Oh, I can trust, I can trust this about myself. When everything else falls apart, actually I can trust this. So I want fear to be seen as a disconnection from not my truth, from home, from the sense of my higher self, my soul, coming back. And the word wound to me always means separation again. I think that sometimes when we face our wounds, we're facing the fact we've somehow become separate. And I think facing our wounds is a very good thing. It shows us like, wow, I didn't realize I'd become separated from that part of me. My wound may show me that I'm separated from my wounded child. So it's not to say, oh, I'm going to heal my child. I'm going to bring my child back home, my inner wounded child. What part of us or part of you has become separated over these years? The part that you trust, that you know belongs to you and is intuitively aligned in harmony with everything that's happening in you. All right. So now let's just go into a few numbers. And I'm so impressed with a friend's daughter sent me, drew this picture of a beautiful sunflower. And that sunflower with its magnificent tiny seeds that she drew, each of those rows of seeds is expressed in a way that we call thigh, P-H-I. Thigh is is actually a geometrical description of when one row of seeds 
is 1.618 further on than the last set. So if you look into a sunflower, you see how that spiral is formed. Not what I'm trying to say is all the, it's like all the seeds are not like a spoke on a wheel so or a spider's web. They're all lined up. They're not. They spiral out. So each row as it moves out is 0.618 further on than the last row. And you see the same in a nautilus shell. You see the same in even a stalk of celery. You see the same in a pine cone. I'm sure you've come across the golden mean or the golden ratio before. You see it is also that our from our navel down to our feet and then the navel to the top of our head, the navel to our feet is 0.618 further or longer than from my navel to the top of my head. You try it. Measure it out. All of our body is aligned to this particular golden ratio. And you say, well, why? Because the physical form is not just put together in any old shape and size. As I said, your, our soul specifically designed this human form to be the very perfect form that we would need for our journey, for our creative journey. Nothing's out of place. Even if you say, I've got long legs or long trunk, it's perfect. Everything is perfectly shaped. No mistakes. But it is telling us, again, that our physical form is here for creation. As I say, not just go around in circles, but to spiral. And that when we are in tune with that, we are spiraling in to love. And love is connection. So it doesn't mean I should say we're not just spiraling in, we're spiraling out, not out of love, but we spiral continuing our connection and then spiral back again. So almost like, as I've described, the new moon to the full moon is we move away from, the, from that dark goddess who lives in the new moon. We move into the full light of the full moon, but then we return again. So everything is spiraling. Everything is cycling. And where does the phi number come from? It comes from what we know as the Fibonacci numbers. The Fibonacci numbers are a sequence of numbers that are so specific and so important. So the first number is, you could say the first number is zero, and then you have one, and then you have one again. And the message of that is, in the beginning was the, the one, the oneness, and it created itself. It created an image of itself. The one created another one. And then the one and one you add together to make two. So out of the one becomes the what we call duality. And then you add the one and the two together, you make three. Three is the number of creation, the most stable number. If you ever look at a stool, the legs of a stool, you actually need three to make it stable. Three is the stability of creation, the trinity. Then you add the two and the three together. You say, well, where did I get the two? You got the two from the one and the one. The one and one equals two. The one and the two equals three. The two and the three equals five. What is five? Five is the number of the pentagram, the pentagon. Five is the number that I have here in my hand. So without my, what we call my opposing thumb, four is a number of structure, but five, it gives me magic, doesn't it? Without our thumb as human beings, we actually don't have as much magic in our hands. 
So this is why the five is seen or the pentagram is seen as the magic, magic number. It's the number of transformation, the first number that takes you to that next spiral. Four just gives you structure, five gives you change. And if you think of the symbol of the pentagram, you've often got what we call the little peaked hat, which is often the wizard's hat. So the square, the four, and the little peak is the five, which gives us that peaked hat of the wizard. But if you bring it down to the, up, turn that upside down, you get a beard. And that's often seen as the, lie, the image of the devil. Well, we may disagree that that is what that's showing. But it's saying that magic can have two, you know, more than two sides. It just depends on how you see it. So five is the number of magic. Then we go back to my Fibonacci's numbers. Five and three is eight. Eight is the number of the octave. So it's interesting that there are so many teachings that say that when wisdom is spread, there were often seven people, seven teachers, but one master teacher, the seven and one. One is the new octave. So seven is very powerful, but one, the eight, takes you to the next level again, the next spiral. Are you getting me? Are you understanding what I'm saying here? So five and eight, five and eight, 13. 13 seen unlucky, but that's it's not unlucky. It's another movement. So how many disciples did Jesus have? 12 disciples and himself. Again, that master energy taking to the next level. Of course, if you throw Judas out, you go down to 11 disciples and Jesus. So you limit any movement. You stay at 12. I'm just putting that in. And many traditions talk about how 13 is important. There are those who believe that we should have 13 signs of the zodiac. So 13 signs of the zodiac would put in a sign called Orphicus. I might not pronounce that right, but Orphicus is the, the serpent bearer. And the story goes, and I love this story, was that Escapus, who I really have a very strong connection with, he was the healer of in Greece, Escapus, but he would have a staff, and around that staff would be one single serpent, not two, that's the caduceus, one symbol, one simple single serpent around that stick. And what Escapus did is that he kept going into the underworld where the dead were and bringing them back to life. <laughs> He kept just going down there and saying, well, here's another one. And he was the healer. So he would heal, but it wasn't healing as in either live or dead. He just believed in the cycles of life. So let this bring this back to it, bang you back to life, bring you back to life. And of course, Zeus got very fed up with the fact that every time he put someone down there into the underworld, Escapus was just bringing them out again. And so it's like, will you stop doing that? So, of course, he decided he would kill Escapus, but of course, then he felt bad about that. <laughs> and he eventually put Escapus back up into the sky and he brought the serpent with him, which formed this Orphicus, this serpent bearer sign. Apologize for not sounding it properly. O P H I U C U C H U S. Ophiuchus. And Many people want to put that astrology sign back in again, and it would be between end of November, middle of December. 
between Scorpio and Sagittarius, which is very interesting because this is the period of time where we are aligned to the center of the galaxy, the Milky Way. What am I saying there? I don't think it should be another sign. I think it's really saying that there is this point where we are facing the center of the galaxy where it is a matter of it's a choice, life, death. In some ways, it's the Trinity. Um, it's not about one or other. It's that point of decision. It's that point of choice. It's that point of just saying this is you can go to that next spiral or you can stay where you are. That's maybe what I'm wanting to say. You can go to that next level if you want. And this was really, I really felt was Yeshua's or Jesus's message. Let me show you how you can go to that next level to rise out of death. That was the message. So this whole idea of the serpent and an escapus, it was really about the serpent energy is our ability to use this wisdom and this power to take us to that next level. And as you know, this is representative within our bodies is what we call the Kundalini, but it's also our DNA. It's like we are at the moment waking up that DNA to take us to that next level. Hope I'm not losing you, but there's a lot of awakening happening. And maybe you want to be, if you are living in the Northern Hemisphere, thinking about that around that time of the end of November. It's interesting that in the Celtic tradition, they see that what we call Halloween, uh, October 31st, is actually also a time of the beginning of a year, Samhain. So Samhain being this time where actually it might sound strange, but it is a time when the veil between the underworld or the overworlds disappears. And there is this, again, this moment, do you want to go to that next level? You know, the darkness is not negative. It's a time of tremendous fullness, a time where we can make decisions. So now coming back to my numbers, 8 and 13, remember I'm still on that, 8 and 13, 21. Nothing special about 21, but it might be if we think of always 21 as a time where, you know, children are seen as, as now adults. And then 13 and 21, 34, it's interesting because 33 is a time when we awaken to ourselves. So 34, is, again, we go to that next level. And then 34 and, 20, uh, 34 and 21 makes 55. 55 is really a time, well, I'll say is where the moon will be back in your chart in exactly the same place as it was when you were born. We call it a triple Saras. It's a time of, again, moving to a new level of transformation, new rhythms within you. And then the very last piece here is I go to 55 and 34. No, I've got two more. Uh, is 89. I won't go down to 89. And then 89 and 55 go to 144. And in, you may have heard about 144 being a very magical number. And 144 means this is 144 light workers waking up. And people would say, oh, I'm one of those 144,000. I don't think that's about that. It's about these spirals. It's about what level are we on? Are we willing to take that next leap? Are we willing to follow love? And love is not, again, someone loving us. It's loving ourselves. It's that connection. Am I wanting to take myself to that next level of connection? There you go. So you can look at all those numbers. Now, I promised you a little exercise to go with this. 
this is totally different in some ways, but I felt, what could I share with you that you would be able to do for yourself and perhaps look at where are you at this moment and where are you perhaps going? So what I suggest you do, and you may do this after you've listened to the podcast, you want to find a room or a place in nature somewhere that you can be and you want to line out in some ways find four stones or four crystals where you can point to make sure you mark north south east west and i don't mind if you use the magnetic or the true north so find your little compass which is usually on someone's our phones at the now and put out put a stone where you're saying okay that's north that's south east west and you now create a little circle around those now you if you've got four other little stones you can then put those in place to mark out northwest, southwest, southeast, northeast. So you've got the eight directions there. Now, in terms of Native American, and many of you have studied Native American cultures, and you may choose that it, this isn't the way you wish to look at the the medicine wheel, as we call it. But recognize medicine is a healing. It's not about necessarily movement. It's about acknowledging all parts of ourselves. Do I know, remember seven and one, do I know all parts of myself? What I will suggest you do is that once you've aligned this, the key to this is walking seven times around this circle. Now you might say, shall I work, walk clockwise around to clockwise or counterclockwise? Do it whichever direction you want. But seven times round. And then find yourself a place that you choose to sit in that feels where you are in the world today. Now, you may, even on your first time round, absolutely know where you are. You say, oh, I'm going to just sit here. But please do the seven. It's a magical number. And then go and sit in on, near one of those stones. So it could be, as I say, the four cardinal, northeast, northeast, southwest, or it could be the northwest, southwest, etc. So this is where you are now. And what you're looking across to is where you're going. All right. So my final piece of the explanation is for me to describe how I was taught. Many of you may have been taught in different ways. I like this method and therefore I'm going to share with it to you. So I start, first of all, as I say, be in your center when you're starting this. But well, let me describe the different directions. East, to me, is the sunrise. It's out of this will come the light. So that when we find ourselves in the light, you may be finding that you are, there's new light coming out of you, new ideas, something's happening. And it's symbolized to my mind by yellow, the color yellow and the eagle something rising up, just as the sun rises up. And the purpose of that light is to take form. So then I go right over to west, and in the west, the sun dips into the earth. It literally, the earth takes and absorbs that light and makes it form, makes it real. And it becomes solid and important and at some level dark, but it is actually what we came here to do was to absorb that light, to create form. And the symbol of that is 
the bear. Because as we create form, whatever your stories, whatever my stories are, it's not about the story. It's about the introspection that says, why did I create this story? What does it mean to me? What did I learn? What is the wisdom I need to get from this? So if you find yourself in the West, you're being asked to look inside, become introspective. But be careful because the symbol here being the bear, you can spend too much time being introspective. In other words, once you've got the idea, time to go back to the East again, pick up more light. So bears can, in their own way, go round and round in circles if you're not careful because you're actually finding you're spending too much time in the darkness, in the introspection. And then I go down to the south. The south to me is the emotional body, the child ruled by the mouse. The mouse is this innocent part of us, and everybody should have this inner curious self. But if we get overwhelmed with emotions, we can't move. And the mouse signifies the side type of us, the part of us that is curious, where we just kind of run ahead, hit a wall, turn left because we've hit that wall, hit another wall, turn left. So it's sort of without any wisdom, it's reactive. It's another word to say for South, that sort of reactive nature. And so what we need to bring into balance is the North. The North is logic, oversight, the ability to see the bigger picture. And we learn, don't we, through our experiences, maybe not always to be quite so innocent, but we learn to balance our innocence with our logic, our wisdom, our knowledge that we've learned over experiences. But if we spend too much time in that north, which is the, the color of white, we become actually lost in our heads. We have no emotions. We have no new growth happening between the eagle, the yellow eagle in the east, and the black bear in the west. So sitting too long in the north is not good. We have to somehow dive back into our emotions, become innocent, become curious, wake things up again. And there's a lovely story about how there was a mouse who wanted to cross a prairie, but the eagles were swooping around and the mouse was scared it was going to get caught. So the buffalo came over the mouse and said, run underneath me and I will protect you. And I think that's a lovely energy of cooperation between our intellect and our emotions where we can work together. And then we move off to the, let's say, the Northeast. The Northeast is between intellect and inspiration. So this is really about waking us up to why we came here on the, onto the planet. So if you're sitting in the Northeast, maybe you're looking at you know, what are I, am I living my truth? Did I, am I doing what I came here to do? Am I reaching high enough or have I got stuck in my head and, uh, you know, just doing something that my ego would like, but not what my eagle would like? My, not my ego, but my eagle. Have I got stuck or am I just flying so high and nothing's actually happening because I've got all these ideas, but nothing's actually coming to earth. So being the Northeast is, am I living my truth? Am I walking my talk? And if we go right over to the Southwest, looking across to that, Southwest is about really our dreams. So if you're sitting in the Southwest, you may be having a lot of night dreams. You might have a lot of dreams. And so it's between our emotional body and our deep unconscious, what's coming to the surface for you? 
are there old things that are coming to the surface that need to be looked at? But are you spending too long in your dreams? Are you, again, a bit lost in, in illusion almost and not actually being able to move out of that? And then we go up to the northwest, and the northwest there is to do with the, the laws. It's Again, the north is to do with intellect, laws, rules, and then the west is, a, is about the depth, the deep unconscious, and it's saying, are you living by cosmic laws? Are you following the rules? Are you following the rhythms of the moon? Are you following the rhythms of your body? Are you in harmony with yourself? Really important. And then finally, we're down in the southeast, and the southeast is about ancestors, past lives. Maybe you're spending a lot of time looking at where have I been before? So bringing the eagle and the mouse together. The mouse is red, by the way, the energy of red. It's like, what are the past lives I need to look at? But don't get too lost in those past lives because it's it's happened. So again, if you look out towards the northwest again, you'll see there's a time for everything. Maybe it's not just about, oh, I've got to keep going backwards in time. Maybe I need to get back in rhythm with my time. So any time when we're looking at past lives, it has to be, and how's that relevant to now? And once you've looked at all of this, and I hope this is helping you, please come back to your center, sit in the center of your wheel and be aware of all those energies existing within you. And when you allow all those energies to exist within you, you realize that you are one with the creator, with the great spirit, the great mother, whatever word with God, and that there is never any separation. That all we're here to do is to spiral in love and know that we can never, ever lose that love because we are eternally connected through our soul, our spirit. And there is only love. Until next time now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Heart Speak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. You share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heart Speak.